0: Father God, as we continue to just worship you. Lord, Lord, just those those words. There is no power in this world that is greater than you. And you have set us free. And Father, we come here this morning to worship you, to thank you, to praise you. Lord, thank you that you are the one that created music. You are the one who has given us these voices. And so, Lord God, just receive our worship and our praise this morning. Father, there's no other place we'd rather be than here right now to be with you, to be with your people. And, Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit to speak, to teach, rebuke, encourage, whatever's on your agenda this morning. Lord, we are your people called by your name, and so, Father, we, uh, we just want to say again, we love you, we worship you, in Jesus' name, amen. This last week was uh, a good week. Some really neat things happened, starting back on Saturday, Saturday up in Dubai, there was a meeting of the Council of Evangelical Churches, of which this church is a member, and in that meeting, Cole was there and was able to stand up representing the church here and talking about Gareth coming. And the way it works within the Council of Evangelical Churches is there, the, the whole body gives approval and affirmation to that. And so, on Saturday, that unanimous affirmation of uh, Gareth coming and what that will mean for the church here. And there was real excitement, and Cole did a, did a really good job. And then this week, on, on Wednesday... I've talked a little bit in the past about this book, Jesus of Arabia. This is a book you need to get, you need to read, you need to give this to your friends. And uh, the introduction of this book was written by Sheikh Nahyan. The author is uh, Reverend Andy Thompson, uh, the chaplain at the Anglican Church. But what happened this week is the Ministry of Islamic Affairs gave final approval for this Arabic translation. And so that will come out in, in the new year. And then you never know what's going to happen. Remember last week we were talking about how be ready for what God has. And so we got a, a phone call on Tuesday and, um, uh, with Andy to go and see uh, Brigadier General Rashid at the CID. And I shared a couple of weeks ago how uh, the CID would like to have good relationships with us. So on Tuesday, we went just to have kind of a courtesy call, just sit down, drink some tea, talk about how we're excited to be doing some things together. And he said, hey, we really need to start seminars that we can be sharing together. And so we we set some dates for starting in November, where the CID will be sending some people to meet with pastors of the churches to talk about human trafficking in the city and what we can do together to help address that issue. We'll also be talking about security and different things like that. Last week, uh, someone was talking to me about how can they get involved in what uh, the police is doing. And I brought a brochure, and this is called The Police Are Our Community. And this whole pamphlet is talking about how we can be volunteers in many different ways in the community in programs that they're setting up. And so then uh, I just got a phone call yesterday from from, uh, the uh, the brigadier's office saying that they want to start coming to the churches just to share with people about this program and have some of their officers there. And he said, we'll bring some police cars and the kids can get in the police cars and you can take pictures. And I'm just going, you know, what an opportunity for us to be together with them and them with us as we talk about what's going on in this world that we're we're living in right here in Abu Dhabi. Well, as we continue in the book of Colossians, there was a challenge given that you would be reading Colossians every day. And I didn't push on that last week because I forgot. But this week... The whole idea of us being able to journey together into this letter, to go deep into this letter. What does God want to say to us? And what effort are we going to put into that to be able to reap as much spiritual fruit as we can in our lives? Small groups, some of the small groups will be looking at that. We'll be looking at it every week, and for you to be reading through it, it will have an impact. As I was just thinking to that concept of what does it mean to go a little deeper, to go a little a little further, I remembered when I was just a little kid, I was 13 years old, 14 years old, and in our little community, we had a swimming team, and, and I was on that swimming team, and during the summers you know we would get together and we'd swim for about an hour, hour and a half in the mornings and we'd do that through the summer and every once in a while there'd be some swim meets and then one summer we got a new swim coach and in our in our town it was actually a university and there was a graduate student there he was getting his PhD and he was from Australia and he became our new swimming coach and we loved this guy he was so cool first of all The Aussie sense of humor was just fantastic. We just ate it up. And he had this incredible accent that we'd never heard before. But there's something else about this guy. This guy had been the assistant coach for the Australian Olympic team. And so he he came to us. He said, great, we're going to have workouts. We start at 7 in the morning. He said, but this one-hour business... Is history," He said, we'll go from 7 till about 9 or 9.30, at least two or two and a half hours. And then he said, and then I expect you back at 3 o'clock, and we'll do it again. Now, a 13-year-old on summer holidays, you can imagine, we're going, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? What is this about? But we did it. And you know what I remember from that time? I remember he took us deeper than we ever thought we could go. And he taught us discipline. And he changed the way we slept and the way we eat eat, the way we ate. <laughs> Our whole lives were changed. And there was this sense of persevering together. There was a sense of getting stronger together. We never felt so strong as underneath his coaching. But it took time. It took effort. And when we think of putting this in the spiritual realm, what will it take for us to go deeper? If we want to go deeper in God's word, reading through something once, listening to a sermon once, is just doing one hour a day. There is so much more that God would like to teach all of us. And so I challenge you with that. So last week we started, we got the history of the book of Colossians, the different players involved in it. And so now Paul is going to be giving the the, the main meat of this letter to these new believers. So we'll start chapter 1 and verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you, In heaven. Sound familiar? Faith, hope, love. These are the hallmarks of who we are as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm a little bit blown away when I think about Paul saying a thousand miles away from this group of people that he's never met and how excited he is for them. And how he is thanking God because of this work of salvation that has happened in their lives. And we see that within Paul that he is thinking as a kingdom person. He is thinking about all of us as the body of Christ. And he's rejoicing with God the Father. And he becomes related now to this church. And it is out of that being one family. That he is giving teaching. he's giving training to these people. And he has heard about their faith. You know, you can go on the street today and just ask people, what are you trusting in? Some people will say they're trusting in their money. I remember meeting one guy and he said, if my bank account goes below 250,000 pounds, I start to get nervous. That was a shock to me. We would be more than nervous, wouldn't we, Teresa? There are people who are putting their faith in governments or systems or whatever it is. Where is our faith? Our faith is in a person. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son who came down who died for our sins, who was raised and seated with, with the Father in the heavenlies. Our faith is in that person. And he goes on and he commends them also. He says, for the love that you have for all the saints. For all the saints. Basically, what it means is what Paul has heard is everyone had love for everyone else. It was a community birthed in love. It was a community that was experiencing love. And I'm sure that love was not limited just to their little fellowship, but the other churches around them in Laodicea or Heliopolis. But they were people of love. Love, so key, so central, so powerful. What are the two great commandments. We love God. We love each other. Do we have to go any further than that? Excuse me. But what happens with us is that love can grow cold. That love that was so hot in the beginning can become lukewarm the church in Colossae was born from a man named Epaphras we looked at that last week Epaphras was in Ephesus where he met Paul, he heard the gospel and the gospel was just spreading like wildfire but what was going on in the church in Ephesus about 40 years later Well, we actually can see that In the book of Revelations, Jesus is talking, and he's writing, saying comments to the church in Ephesus. And in Revelation chapter 2, he says this, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. Pretty good commendation, isn't it? Their doctrine was good. Their work was excellent. They were persevering. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent. Do the works you did at first. There's this thing where, where love, love is an action, and love can kind of leak out of us. Love is something that we have to be going and getting filled again and again and again from God to be able to love one another the way God intends for us because we have clear testimony here that people that follow Jesus Christ can get away from love. But you know what Jesus said to that church in Revelation chapter 2? Shocking. If you don't repent, I will shut you down. Think about it. We can have all of the, the great doctrine and do all of the right things and all of the right programs, and if we don't have love, we've missed everything. And so Paul is commending the church here for their love. As new believers, that first hot love, they need to keep it going. And so do we. He goes on then to talk about hope. And that's the beautiful thing for us, isn't it? If you and I, we know, if we die today, if we get in a car crash on the way home, a heart attack, cancer, whatever it is, whatever it is, Where will we go? Our hands will be in the hand of Jesus. We can go to sleep at night in peace, knowing our future is secure. Our hope isn't in this world. Our hope isn't in the things around us here. Our hope is when we finally get to see God the Father, God the Son face to face and will live with them in eternity and it will be beyond incredible. What, and, and we don't even know how to describe it. But that is our hope. We're just passing through here. So Paul goes on in this letter to the Colossians and he says, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. This word of truth, the gospel, this word, the gospel. You know, the gospel defined, it simply means, simply means, good news. We have good news. The good news is that God has forgiven our sins. The good news is that we have been reconciled to Almighty God. This is the truth that has been given out to the people, and the people of God have embraced that. And Paul says, this came to you. And this is fruit that has been borne out in the situation in Asia, but he says that this is literally going around the world. Around the world, the gospel is bearing fruit. And I want to just show you a couple slides because we need to really understand and grasp we're part of something bigger, like we did a few weeks ago. When we look at the the world today, there's 2.3 billion people that would call themselves Christians. Some 38,000 denominations. There is diversity in the unity of the family of God. But in this next slide, we see these little blue dots across the world map. That's representing, each little dot actually represents 50,000 Christians. The only religion that is A global religion is Christianity. There is not a country in the world where there are not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about the unprecedented outreach that is happening in the world right now, through all of these millions and millions of followers of Jesus, this year 65 million people who have not had a chance to hear the gospel, the good news will be able to hear. Today, 178,000 people will hear for the first time that good news. This year, there will be some 50,000 new churches around the world. God is moving. God is bringing people to himself. God is forgiving their sins. God is filling them with his spirit. He is bringing them into his family and unleashing them to go out and to tell other people. That is the God that we serve. That is the family that we are a part of. When we look at the growth of the church, the number one growth rate right now amongst all religions or anything is actually evangelicals. And evangelicalism, it, goes, it transcends all the different denominations. You can be an evangelical Anglican, an evangelical Presbyterian, an evangelical Baptist, In 1960, there was about 91 million. In 2016, there were 600 million. What are things that that we as evangelicals believe that, that aren't necessarily unique to us, but we would hold to be fundamental? One is just this, the holy inspired word of God. That's why we take so much time in our service to dedicate to seeing what God has to say to us. We expect everyone to be studying it, to be reading it, to be memorizing, and to be obeying it. The Word of God being central. Our our God is a triune God, and He is all-sovereign. We believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone. We believe that there needs to be a personal relationship with Jesus. We need to be born again. We need to have the Holy Spirit of God come inside and lead us and just change us completely. And then one of the things that really stands us out as evangelicals is uh, we believe that this good news is really good news. And it's worth sharing it with other people. That's where we get evangelists, coming from evangelicals, which comes from the Greek word euangelion, which is gospel. And these are our roots. But when we look at what God is doing in the world today in this next slide, we see that there actually has been a great shift in terms of where is the center in terms numerically of Christianity. In 1800s, 99% of Christians were basically in Europe and North America, one percent in the rest of the world. but in 2016, 20 what is it, seven, 24 percent is actually North America and Europe, with 76 percent being in the rest of the world. It's shifted. The center of Christianity is in Asia, Africa and Latin America now. And we should praise God for that. It's not that, that Europe and America have gone down. it's that everyone else has gone up. And the more, the merrier. We're happy for that. But then in this next slide, the beauty also is that God is raising up people literally around the world in his body, and he's sending people from the Philippines to here to be elders in our church. He's sending pastors from South Africa to here to be an elder in our church. He's raising up you from your country to be here where we can be a light. There are still places, of course, in the world. We think of the 1040 window uh, where there are still people who have not had that opportunity to hear the gospel. But God is moving. Just two quick stories. One, what is God doing in Iran? We see that in these last decades, the number of believers in Iran has just exploded. Right now they're saying over a million Iranians have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, just across the water from us. Or if we think about the land of Israel, we think of the Jewish people who oftentimes we think are very very hard to receiving that Jesus is the Messiah. My my good friend who's a messianic Jew, he says that there are 30,000 believers, messianic believers in Israel. About 150 churches there. Worldwide some 300,000 messianic believers. Again, do you see what we're part of? This incredible family of God. God's purpose is going forward. God's work to see that people will have that opportunity to go from darkness to light. Well, let's jump back into Colossians and in verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. You know, he mentions that love thing again. I think what Paul is saying here is not just that Epaphras has told him about the love that the people have for one another back in Colossae, but Epaphras is an action point a living example of that love because that church has sent Epaphras to be with Paul while Paul is in house arrest. And Paul is actually experiencing their love as this man has left everything to do nothing else but to come and bring encouragement and help and partnership with Paul while he is under house arrest. So verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. We've not ceased. Remember when I talked about swimming and going deeper? This challenged me in prayer to go deeper, not ceasing. You know, what Scripture says is that we have entered into this incredible relationship with a God. And God has said an amazing thing to us. Ask whatever you will. Ask it in my name. Ask it according to my will. And I'm going to move. And he says, you don't receive because you don't ask. And so here we have permission by the almighty God, creator of the universe, to join with him, to take to him. Anything. How deep are we in prayer? Taking up that incredible opportunity to be partnering with one another and partnering with God. Not ceasing to pray. This is something that we do all the time on the way to work, in our workplace, in our little prayer closet, when we're together corporately like this in the prayer meetings every Friday before the service, on the prayer meetings Tuesday night that we have, corporate. What would God really like to do through us if we would sit and be quiet and listen and also bring to Him the strategic needs that we see around us? But notice how Paul is praying for these new Christians. We've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He wants them to understand who God is, who God's character, his purposes, everything about him, because when they understand that, there is a result. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of, of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, to be pleasing to God every day, in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, wherever we are, this sense that, that we are ambassadors. For Christ, God making his appeal through us. As people look at you, oftentimes you have opportunities to share, but more often than that, they will see your attitudes. They will see your love. They will see how you react under hard conditions. We want to be pleasing. Paul is praying that for them as they walk in a manner that's worthy, but also bearing fruit. Brothers and sisters, we are designed to bear spiritual fruit. Every one of us in this room. Every one of us being an ambassador. Every one of us having the Holy Spirit. Every one of us being able to change things around us as we draw on the power of God for the sake of people's lives. And that God would be glorified for fruit spiritual fruit. I remember talking with probably the greatest Arab evangelist ever. So many have come to faith that there's a price on his head and at the time that I was meeting with him it was like 60 million dollars. Think about that. And one day when we were just talking I said, you know, what is it like for you to get up in the morning knowing that if someone just kills you, they'll get $60 million. And his answer blew me away. (laughs) He said, Kevin, I've already died. I died to Jesus a long time ago. This is a Coptic Egyptian priest. I died to Jesus a long time ago, and my God has determined my path. And no one can take my life until God allows that to happen. And every day that God gives me a step, it will be a step of spiritual fruit, eternal fruit that will last. And that is our calling. We are to be the people of that kind of spiritual fruit. Well, he goes on to keep teaching them on prayer, verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I think this is probably the hardest verse in this passage for me. I get the part. Would you be strengthened with power according to his glorious might? I get excited about that. But why does he give us that kind of power? The power that created the universe, that raised Christ from the dead. Why does he give us that power? I kind of wanted to see so we could see all of Africa saved. But what does he say? That you would endure. That you wouldn't quit. That you wouldn't give up. Paul, in writing to the Philippian church, he said this, It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Endurance. Endurance. God's power to fill each of us with his glorious might so that we don't quit. We keep going. We keep fighting. No matter what opposition will come against us, we stay true to the truth and the gospel that he has given to us. And then he also says, for all endurance and patience. And that relates to us. God giving me all of that power and grace so I can be patient with you. And you can be patient with me. That we can be patient with one another. That as his community where love is central. That as we are people who are... Still of a world of sin and we have this, this sinful baggage in us, we are going to hurt one another. We're going to do stupid things. We're going to make mistakes. And God's power is to come so that love will cover a multitude of sins. And we will begin to forgive. We will begin to accept we will, instead of condemning, we will come along and hug one another and say, I get it, because last week I was there. How can we move forward? God talking about his incredible power, his incredible might. So we endure and are patient. And he says we should do it with joy giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You know, why do we endure? Why do we have patience? if, if If our joy is going to come out of tasks or programs or outcomes, we're going to be disappointed because programs will fail and people will fail. But if our joy is going to be in God, I just want to serve you today. I just want to love you today. Help me to deal with people today. And I give you the glory and the praise. And if things go wrong, Lord, I, just, I, still, I worship you. And if our joy is pointed that way, whatever comes our way, that's not going to be important. Why? Because our hope isn't here. This isn't our home. I'm not building a future here. I'm building a future that is there. And that is built up with the stones of love and faithfulness and the fruit of the Spirit. And then Paul ends in verses 13 and 14 and he talks about who we are. We are people who have been delivered from the domain of darkness and we've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Every one of us. In whom? In the Lord Jesus we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. If that shouldn't just shock us and change our whole world and our perspective and our actions, I don't know what. We were all here in the gutter, in wickedness, in sin. And we deserved death. And God picked us up and He transferred us to a kingdom a kingdom of light, a kingdom that is of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin so that we could go here. We were redeemed. We were bought with a price. God had to pay for us, and he did it by nailing Jesus to the cross. And he redeemed us. And by doing that, as we get transferred into this kingdom, this other incredible thing, all of our sins have been wiped away. Everything we've ever done. Only through that grace. Only through that grace. So Paul, writing to these new believers, giving them such an incredible example, go deep in prayer. Go deep in love. Go deep in sharing the gospel. And that's our calling. Let's go deep in Colossians. This is just the start of what he wants to build on as next week we actually look at who is Jesus. Father God, we thank you for these incredible words that you have given to us. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just take them and, and take those, those truths and just put them into our heart. Lord, I pray that you you would just do whatever you need to do in our minds and our hearts to draw us close to you. Because, Father, that's why we're here. Because we love you. Lord, we tend to be going our own way at times. But, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Lord, take those words. Multiply them. Let us be people of incredible fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.